This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 392, Take Note. Afternoon, Michael Rowe here on a Friday, which means it's that time again to talk tech with my friends and co-hosts, Michael Martin and Andy Piper here at Games at Work Biz. Andy, how the heck are you? I am well, Michael. Thank you. I'm sorry that I missed the show last week due to entirely foreseen circumstances of going away for a long weekend. Yes. And I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what is new in the world of tech, games, VR, AR, and everything else. Michael Martin, how are you? Uh, fantastic and delighted to be here with you guys too this is gonna be a fun show we've got a, a curated set of links we've got more than a couple of uh listener links in here and uh, let's get right to it should we Dead. shall we Dead. shall we Dead. Should we? Dead. Will we shall we shall uh, so for first one coming in is um, kind of a follow-on from some of our vr experiences it's a short little video about uh what immersed vr has done using metaquest the or the metaquest pro of creating a mixed reality work setup so that you have a degree of transparency so you can be uh, sitting at a table with uh, two three or seven of your closest friends and basically block them all out and have unlimited sets of monitors around or maybe you. not your closest friends <laughs> <laughs> just block them out <laughs> Well, actually, you know, you could probably like punch out their heads, right? So you could just have their floating heads if they're literally sitting around the table with you, and then and put little keyholes to see them and leave everything else in the in the metaverse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, if you were going to spend forty hours in the metaverse a week, uh, you might want to have an ability to uh, uh, move people away and create a workspace. I I I enjoyed it. I thought that was a really good example of how to. In a way that makes it a little bit easier to handle a virtual reality space. It, it looks really good. It is. Uh, it does require the Quest Pro, which we spoke about a few weeks ago, um, because it's using the high-resolution external cameras. I was saying before the show that I've tried the the hand tracking with a keyboard before using the existing Quest, and it's clever, but it's more disorienting because you can't really see um, the exterior. So um, it's kind of weird. Um, this is obviously also pushing immersed VR's technology. Uh, and um, the guy that's posted this is, in fact, the uh, v- the um, CEO of that um, company. Um, but hmm. yeah, indeed. But it looks very, it looks kind of cool. Uh, I, I've tried the, particularly with the web browser in, in the Quest, and you get these sort of, floating screens web web browser screens and you have multiple of them sort of surrounding you uh, that's where i've mostly tried that kind of environment but i haven't tried it with a with a tracked keyboard and being able to sort of type and do meaningful other things he's posted it hey it, it would solve the the t-test it, well no it wouldn't fully solve the t-test because because no, right, exactly, you pour it on yeah, your glass. so that's uh, that's part of the problem um but um, some of the stuff that's 
being shown here is is pretty cool and it saves you from buying one of those awful curved monitors because you can have a virtual one instead yes Yep, and well, size it in which way you want. I really like the UI aspect of the the wrist driven call up for the menu, you know, so that it would let you see very quickly. Okay, I want to change things by looking at your control panel uh, superimposed on your wrist. I thought that was kind of a yeah. It's better than just yelling out the controls in a in a crowded office. But I, exactly, voice activated stuff. Change screen you know, three. Mm, Going to be nuts. <laughs> and and you know another thought here too is that we we have all been fans and for a good long while. This is kind of a video canceling headset, if you will, because you can have various degrees of transparency around you. So you could look out the window, or you could look and see your colleagues across the room, or. Not. It's like horse blinders. Yeah. Little horse blinders. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> let's move from something that's work-related to maybe something that's a little bit fun-related. We've talked about um, doing a virtual trombone not too long ago, but there's another one that's come up also in the music space. Uh, for those that are aspiring to conduct orchestras, you could now orchestra conducting in VR, too. Where I... I do a whole bunch, Michael. You, I, I, I love this, and it reminds me of uh, uh, one conductor that I worked with in Atlanta, who who had uh, in his office a little poster that showed a conductor standing at the podium, and below, but but beneath it, it said, "Wave stick, turn around, <laughs> bow." <laughs> <laughs> And and that was the entire job. So I actually thought this was really cool. And it, it it's funny because they show you kind of the perspective looking out from the headset, right? Yep. So you see the orchestra, you see your hand, you see the stick, you can see them conducting. And, and similar to like Guitar Hero, there's certain clues, visual clues that tell you what to do. But then you show the outside and it's a person sitting there in a t-shirt, you know, in the middle of a room, just kind of wildly waving their arms around. And it's like... Yeah, that's what they look like when there's think, no music. I think this would be really cool if you combined it with the um, the the trombone game. Um, so you'd have the yes. the conductor conducting the trombone section. Um, but um, yes. yeah, again, it's using the hand tracking, which is which is a very neat feature, and it's got so much more precise over the the life cycle of the quest. Yeah. What if you had cool. your entire orchestra made up virtually in this way, and you, in order to get the um, excellent marks, uh, you had to make sure that you were holding the note just as long as you're supposed to, which requires both the conductor to conduct that and requires your virtual trombone player to do that would uh, that would be something else. It'd be almost like a live it, orchestra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it? it would be a live orchestra. It's like, you know, they had the virtual choruses, right? The Zoom choruses. Mm-hmm. You could do a Zoom orchestra with this or a virtual orchestra. And everybody could actually be playing in real time, in real world, but projected out virtually into this virtual space. I think it's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so next up, uh, we have a, a, a listener of cool. a listener link. Yes, speaking of cool, uh, is a blog post uh, that was done uh, uh, on the 10th of November, so very recently, uh, depending on when you listen to this, uh, by our good friend Ian, ePredator, uh, talking about the ways of using the size of the avatar information about what's going on. 
And um, he'd created a, a real fun picture here because we all know that if you have a blog post, you have to create a picture that uh, his his majorly huge sized avatars that was done using Dolly e, uh, show these avatars towering over other avatars. In, in um, Well, one of the things I, I really enjoyed back in our, our, our second life days uh, was um, the uh, the floating cloud avatar, right? So it's not just size, but total perspective. So I I always find it interesting to to, to do uh, how people represent themselves in in VR with avatars. So cool article. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And then Beat Saber, which he references in the article, elements that are very similar. A maestro conduct off <laughs> with the three of us in it. Uh, perhaps they would use the avatar uh, structures. Um, next up, uh, and this is this is an example. I've, I found this uh, earlier. This uh, how how meta <laughs> could be advertising, and this is very specifically tuned to the Japanese market, and this short. 22 second video or, or 30 second video uh, gives an example of how you might really consider yourself in a transformational experience using VR and AR. And the suggestion CIX live is that uh, if we'd only done this kind of marketing in other places in the world, maybe there would be more folks that are like, yeah, give me some of that. Yeah, l looking at the video, I was trying to figure out the technology that would actually be necessary for you to <laughs> experience it the way the people in the video were creating. So, so you'd need one of those 360-degree treadmills. Uh, you would need uh, the, the harness that holds around there so that, that you can tilt and lean. Um, you definitely need higher-resolution cameras, et cetera. But uh, <clears throat> it could be done. could be done. <laughs> um. We're, we're not done uh, with Metaverse as yet. Uh, our friend Alexis uh, gave us a link from the BBC talking about the billions, with a B, being spent in land grabs, which is not exactly a new thing, right? Yeah. We've seen that happen once no. or twice <laughs> in the past before, uh, but it is going on right now to where um, different companies are trying to establish their uh, particular shops, pop-up shops, stores, storefronts, lands, countries, etc. And uh, that was part of, um, I, you know, how, how do you do the right thing, attract people and and I, have the, the, the space for them to yeah, and I'm I'm guessing that uh, the the billions being spent are not being spent with Meta, uh, given their financial outlook that they've had recently. It reminds me of a book which I have somewhere in my room, but I'm looking around and not finding it. And even if I did, it's a podcast, so it wouldn't really help anybody to me to hold up a hold up <laughs> a book. podcast. But I've uh, uh, there's a book called uh, an old book now called from 2007 called The Entrepreneur's Guide to Second Life which covered exactly these kinds of topics. Um, this story is in fact referring to entrepreneurs in uh, different virtual worlds. Um, this particular one focuses on an artist from Brighton called Angie, who's using a, uh, a land called Voxel, Voxels, uh, or an environment called Voxels, 
and to set up business and, and have space and so on. So, yeah, well, everything old is new again. But, of course, this time it's using cryptocurrencies as well, just for fun, and NFTs and other things that you can shoehorn yes. in. And, and, and we're not going to talk about NFTs or anything with NFT exchange uh, or, or Bitcoin exchanges this week. Not on this show. Not on okay. the show. There's there's a plenty of that going on. But I, I would bring up the million dollar homepage once more because we have brought that up before. And then the second thing <laughs> is that times. in a virtual environment, you know, a land space is not really that important. If you've got, you know, an island or, you know, some size of something why, why that's irrelevant it's, the it's size getting is your irrelevant. domain name yes it's it's, it's getting your domain name well, or it's getting your your user id it's getting your your presence codified before we recorded the show the three of us did quite a deep dive together just for information sharing mm-hmm. around um the fediverse and we'll come back to this a bit in a little bit i think um briefly or perhaps not today but anyway um and we were talking about the different types of server and environment that exist there. And again, you're right to say that uh, it doesn't necessarily matter. Having said that, at the moment, well, always, all of this stuff are parcels of land on a server, right? So it's like right. having your space on a domain, as Michael just described, on a domain or having your your brand in the right spot. So there's an element of value to it there. And there's also an element of value in the compute resource that's actually being used but i was about to say uh, unless everything has infinite scale out Mm. capability Mm. there is a capacity on a server Mm. there is there is and that's a different way of measuring right i would suggest that it um the size of a space that you would experience in real um in real life right like a parcel of land does not scale exactly well in this environment. Uh, I'm reminded of the Robin Williams phrase from Aladdin of unlimited power, itty bitty, teeny tiny little living space. Um, And it it is just a pointer from one to the next. So it matters more about the connections and the nodes. And Andy, I was thinking exactly where we will probably bring this topic up on another show. Not today, but it will. I think we will. (laughs) Now, talking about little teeny tiny things, uh, Andy, you'd come across these niche museums. Um, Can you share a little bit more about these tiny museums and what's the story here? Yeah, I can tell you a bit about the story. So this is uh, Simon Willison, who uh, is a data scientist, um, coder, very smart gentleman, who I know originally through the London-based tech community. He moved to the US at a certain point. And he has a project called Dataset, which is using SQLite um, to build um, tooling around uh, databases. That's the simplest way I can put it at the moment, but it's much broader than that and cooler than that. And one of his projects with Dataset is to catalog all the museums he's been to. And he's very interested in tiny museums, niche museums, niche museums. And uh, he then uh, has a way for you to to find them and find out about them. And, And his interest here is you know, really off the wall, small things. There's at least one, I think he, I'm sure he posted about it on Mastodon this week. And uh, he said he's really, he's really, you know, if you can find one that it's literally in somebody's house or something very unique uh, and different, um, there's always something interesting um, to discover. And they're not, you know, they're not state funded, big, you know, museums. They're, they're tiny things as a, 
a gallery of handmade satirical coin-operated arcade machines in in London, for example. It's a tiny little uh, uh, room in in I think in uh, uh, in East London. There's um, the one I've been to actually called the Mail Rail, which is awesome, which is the old London Post Office Railway, um, uh, an underground railway that you and you can actually sit in these tiny little mail carriages where they used to carry uh, bags of mail across London underground um, in uh, for, for 70 years in the mid 20th century. Incredible, incredible stuff. So really tiny little things. There's one here I, I'm scrolling through based on where I'm based, which is UK. And I think if you go to this website, you will find that it, there's either a lot around or there's none anywhere near you because I think it's really based on Simon's own travels. But I'm looking at one here called the Museum of Funeral History. Um, opened only in June 2017 uh, and it combines displays on the history of funerals in London with information about funeral traditions around the world and yeah really interesting random unusual diverse things and uh, I thought it was something nice to uh, talk about as a as a group just to yeah. to focus but on I think Simon is looking to to add further to this it's a i think if i remember rightly it was a github uh, i think there's if you click on the about page it tells you a little bit more than the, the source codes on github so yeah the the, the closest uh to, to to me is the salt and pepper shaker music uh, <laughs> amazing <laughs> which is hundreds of miles away and uh, has twenty thousand sets of salt and pepper shakers from around the world I, I've actually been to one of these. I was just scrolling my way through in the New Orleans Historic Voodoo Museum. Um, I've been mm. there. I've actually been there. So I was like, cool. this is super cool stuff. Yeah. And you're right. When they're small, you typically get a lot of information because the person who all they really. Now, um, we know that there are a lot of people that really care about Star Trek. Mm. And we also know that there are a lot of people that really care about Raspberry Pi. And... Mm -hmm. Apparently, uh, there is now a way of joining those two together <laughs> in an amazing way to create the LCARS interface project. Did um, either of you try this? No. So if you go to the LCARS, so the, the, the story we've got is on Tom's hardware. But if you click through the first link, which um, is the LCARS interface project, you will yes. come to a page that looks like an LCARS screen that uh, starts up. And... Uh, you can then start to interact with it on the screen. This is for designed for oh. the USS Ceritos, which is from uh, Lower Decks. Oh, the California class. Yes, and, yes. Uh, Cali class And rules. you can, on the right-hand side here, for example, you can change the color scheme to different shades of hues and of different things. You can, uh, you can increase the glare on the screen. Um, you can change it to the James Webb Space Telescope. You can get some nice images from that on the left-hand side. You can then uh, tap into different uh, elements on the on here and get some text information about what's being shown um and the idea is you you put this on a on a raspberry pi with a small screen a touch screen and you can start to interact with it as if it was an old cars interface i i actually used to have um uh, a ui overlay not overlay but um scheme for one of my os2 instances way back in the day that was l cars i remember OS2. that yes yeah so, very cool, very cool. I made the mistake of clicking the red alert button on this screen, and now everything is just red and annoying. 
<laughs> and blinky lights. I like the fact that you can zoom I in on Cetacean it. Ops, though. That's very neat. That's a pretty deep cut <laughs> if you're into uh, Star Trek. Yeah. Very cool. The ship's map is a oh. lot of fun, too. Yeah. And I, I, like, I like being able to uh, see people moving around in the turbo lift. Mm-hmm. It's that's just beautifully done. It really is well done. Amazing. And that's all on a Raspberry Pi. Wow. I can be run yeah. on a Raspberry Pi, I think. But, I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah, um, you, can, you can run the whole thing through that. So, so what, if, cool. what if you had an old um, IBM Model F keyboard lying around and you wanted to use uh, it? Because you like that clickety-clackety, you know, super deluxe sound. That, that, that please don't use this during a podcast recording sound. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, they, you know, they, they are not Bluetooth. What, the, uh, the Model Fs? No. Bluetooth didn't exist back then. <laughs> well, so it's got, did, the, but it's, it got the, it's got the old um, serial-style connector, right? To, um, right, right. To it doesn't, this. I don't so even think it's a... PS2 connector, right? Or no, is it exactly. a PS2 connector? I, I don't think it is. I don't think it. I might be mistaken. I'd have to go and read it up. But uh, yeah, I think it was this, even before the PS2 connector. This is using a Raspberry Pi RP2040. That's the microcontroller that's in the the Raspberry Pi Pico um, on an even smaller board, the Adafruit Cutie Pi, um, which is really just about the size of a well, less than the size of a quarter, really, um, and converts it into a USB keyboard via some clever circuit Python code. Um, to take the old, old IBM key codes and switch them over into USB keyboard equivalents. So, so how uh, much? Did, how much of this is pure hardware mapping versus some kind of software mapping of those signals? It looks like all hardware. Uh, so the soft no, there's a mixture. So um, mm. you've got circuit. The circuit Python is doing the conversion into USB key codes, uh, but um, there you, you're right that there's a bunch of hardware um, mapping of what the uh, signals are coming into the to the uh, to the pi the pico and you and you probably Very could cool. remap it pretty easily too so if in the uk you could say uh, i want shift, shift four to be a pound sign instead of a dollar sign do you know that is a really interesting i don't remember if we talked about it on the show but a few weeks ago i got a, a little color mixer um device which is a, a range of dials um, I don't have it with me to show you on the screen, but again, it's a podcast. So why it's am I trying to do that podcast. every time? Um, and it's got, <laughs> so if it's got, if you imagine it's got six dials, two for two each for RGMB, uh, and then it's got a button on the side and then, and you plug it into the USB and then you dial in the RGB hex code that you want uh, across the six dials and the oh, color and the, the button on the right hand side changes color because it's got an LED under it. And then you press the cut the button and it pastes in, the the, key, the the key code the hex the hex oh, code, the hex code. Yeah. now ah, cool. now the problem is that the author um, is do, is doing something almost identical to this uh, except that the author is in the US and he hadn't anticipated the fact that my computer would be set up for uh, uh, instead of a uh, a pound sign a hash symbol uh, yeah. it's trying to put in the UK uh, currency symbol the pound pound symbol so uh, he's had to make a I had to point out to him, I raised a bug with him that, that that was a problem, and he had to add an additional config option for people that are not are using UK, non-US not keyboards. UK. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> UK is a... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, we well, haven't talked about that before. 
I, I I know we're just about out of time. We're we're doing a breakneck episode this week. Well, there's two things to talk about in that case. One of them yes, is yes, there are. One of them is the fact that in about two, uh, no, in f- four weeks time, I, know, I believe it's December twelfth. That's right, December twelfth. Four weeks time yep. from now, um, the three of us will be uh, guests of the British Computer Society (BCS). Um, talk of the uh, special the Games and Animation Special Interest Group, talking with our friend E. Pred. Uh, about our podcast, what we do, uh, and how we track tech news and all kinds of other stuff. So really looking forward to that. Uh, we'll, we'll probably put that out as a special episode for those who can can't do that, join we'll live. definitely do that. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. And beyond that, uh, we wanted to finish with a funny toot from Mastodon. I love this one. Uh, from Muesli Fribbledom on Mastodon, uh, and so, who said something which I thought was up, right up Mar- Michael Martin's alley, actually, when I saw this. Uh, I thought it, it says, I think I'll skip Web3 and wait for Web for Workgroups 3.11, 3.11, right, now, right away. <laughs> yeah, and all the responses to that responses. are Web95 and Web98, Web Millennium Edition. Oh, where, where my brain went on this was actually, what was the best version of DOS, MS-DOS? It was also a 3.0 edition. It was like 3.3.1, if <laughs> I remember correctly. So the, there's something about Microsoft and and technology where version three dot something is 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 like the pinnacle hmm. of getting it right but keeping it simple. <laughs> and and hmm. Andy was alluding to uh, one of my elements on my media where I say I'm doing yep. a web eleven dot oh. So we're yep. we're still a little ways away from that, but I put that up. I don't know how many years ago, at least hmm. ten decade ago, yeah. stuck in my mind. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, with that, I think we've uh, we've hopefully wet your whistle for what's coming up next. Um, thank you very much for our listener links this week. We've had some fun ones here, and there are going to be more to come. So stay tuned for the Fediverse conversation that we enjoyed ourselves, and we'll recreate some of that magic for you perhaps in the next episode or two. But uh, in the meantime, um, you can find us on Mastodon. You can find us on a variety of other places. Share your links with us. Bring them forward. And we'll be looking forward to talking about them here very next time on Game is at Work. Biz. You've been listening to Games at Work. Biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network. And we'd like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork_biz underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz. Music.